Welcome back to another episode of the Resellers Mindset Podcast. My name is Mike, also known as the Used Book Guy on YouTube, along with my friend and fellow full-time reseller, Johnny B. We help people start and grow their reselling businesses from the ground up. We also have a weekly Zoom call and private Discord for all YouTube members. Head on over to youtube.com backslash usedbookguy to join the channel and gain access to the full-length podcast, Zoom call, and private Discord today. Let's get into this week's episode. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of Reseller's Mindset Podcast. Myself, Johnny, special guest, Seth, Checkmate Flips. You find them out on all YouTube, social media platforms. We figured you were tired of hearing us to ramble on. So we brought on Seth here to kind of, you know, give you a little bit of an inside look at a debt-free online arbitrage business. So he's going to introduce himself, kind of tell you how he started, where he's at. And then me and Johnny will just kind of ask him questions about his business and pick on him a little bit. So what's going on, Seth? What's up, guys? Good to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Um, so I think I I started with selling on Depop and eBay. Um, so like Depop's basically an app for like teens who like want to be fashionable, basically. I don't know why my brother started with that, but he did. Uh, sold used clothing and shoes for a long time, transitioned to Amazon FBA used books. So much easier to find inventory that actually sells for a good amount that way um and then restock events happened a couple years ago transitioned to online arbitrage and then ebay to amazon as well so that's kind of how i got into it uh it was kind of like a video game in real life instead of you know playing video games and making no money like let's actually get really good at something in real life and you know you, game that you're uh you said your brother got you into it does your brother still resell today a little bit. Okay. Yeah. So he, he, he basically just, you know, said, Hey, I'm going to give you the path here. And he's like, I'll still make a little bit uh, but does he like, does he ever think about like getting back into it like full time, like you do, or like, does he not, is he not that interested in it? Um, we, we like, he started an Amazon account and unfortunately it was in the time where I was selling used items straight to prep center. And so he was doing that, but at smaller margin and just was not working out for him. And he was like, yeah, I, I don't think this is for me. Um, so he kind of quit doing that. And now he like builds out vans. He's like good at carpentry and stuff like that. It's like oh, super that's, Yeah, that, that's, yeah. I mean, that market's super hot right now. The like uh, camper vans that you live in and everything you're talking about. Yeah. And so like he lived in a van for two years. And so like he he's perfect for that. And he enjoys it. I do so, think like, uh, hold up, hold up, Johnny. I, I got one for him. Like. How many people do we come across that started on Depop? <laughs> like, I think they think you're the is only it, one. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, like, nobody, right? <laughs> Dude, there's nobody. You might have been the first seller on Depop ever, besides your brother. <laughs> Dude, Depop is a weird place. Like, uh, it's just even less, like, you think of, like, Poshmark or, like, Macari. Like, they don't have enough customers. Depop is even less. It's just, like... You have to literally sit there on the phone and like refresh your listings so that people see them kind of like Poshmark. It's just, if you can make some money on Depop, I guess you can make it on eBay and Amazon. <laughs> so when you decided to transition from books to other things, was it a hard stop or you weren't clearing enough margin or was it the eBay fees? You just weren't liking what that was doing to the book market or tell us about that transition phase. Yeah. I feel like for me, um, 
we were talking behind the scenes, Johnny, and you're kind of like transitioning slightly to Amazon, like mm-hmm. very slightly kind of, but like eBay seems to be like your, your still main thing. Yeah. Um, like I think it's the same thing. Like eBay, eBay works, like eBay works for you. eBay worked for me, but like, I was just like, you know, I'm going to dip my toe in the water with Amazon FBA books. So like I was doing my used clothing and shoes and stuff. And like, I had a potential profit goal of like, I need to find and list like, let's say $800 a week in potential profit. I don't know what the number was, but I was like, I'll see if I can do 200 of that this week with Amazon FBA books when I go to a garage sale or something. Yeah. And so like, I'd do that and be like, okay, like this was like easy to find money. Like, and I didn't have to spend so much time listing because I wasn't good at listing. I'm I'm just not the best at listing. and books is great for that because it's like you just put it in a box and send it to FBA. It's like a minute or two per book, uh, right. depending on how you do it. But yeah, no, super super transition slowly. Yeah, no, it's very interesting because a lot of people that uh, start with Amazon for the most part they just start in books, probably because it's the easiest one to tap into because the abundance. There's books everywhere. The only other thing that's an abundance like that that I found is clothes, honestly, and all the clothing people are on eBay. Um, so yeah and then with amazon um it's like invoice wise if you just like sell uh new clothes as new without an invoice on amazon that just feels like sketchier and like hard to do and you feel like you're going to get a counterfeit claim or something and they're probably slightly right um but like with books like used books you don't have too much of a problem with that most of the time unless you're selling textbooks in my experience anyways i don't know about you guys but no that's about the same and uh last question before i give mike the mic uh do you miss books i i sometimes like will go to the thrift store oh, i love going to an estate sale i i went uh a couple months ago i went to this hoarder house estate sale like complete basement like can't walk without walking on stuff like books everywhere stuff everywhere uh stuff was definitely dirty uh i mean that's how a hoarder house goes like i love like getting in there and like finding some stuff um i, d- I do that every once in a while uh so i i do miss it sometimes it's, it's just so fun like buying like a book for like a dollar or like in that case like they they were wanting to flip the house so they're like we don't care just like give us like yeah 20 bucks for those 100 books awesome great um, I, I think it's like a nat like natural transition right so we go from ebay to amazon books and you're like wow this is so much easier than ebay and then you get to the point where you're like okay well i can order stuff online have it sent to me i don't got to drive to the thrift stores hope that i find stuff so that makes it almost even easier so it's like a natural you know transition from your life trying to make your life easier to easier to easier. So now you're, you're solely online. Do you do like any RA now or are you mainly just online arbitrage? Um, I mean, besides the thrifting every once in a while, no RA. Um, I'm so, I, I guess like when you talk about like making your life easier and easier and easier, like I'm not optimized for RA. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Like, like 
I just completely don't know what I'm doing. But with OA, I, I know exactly what to do. And like thrifting is a bunch of fun. I know what to do with thrifting. Uh, I do need to stop selling Blu-ray players without remotes though, because I get so many returns on those. Uh, I need to stop that, honestly. <laughs> I, I've i sold a few VCRs and I won't, if they ain't got a remote, I'm not even sending it in because I know uh, how uh, how picky the Amazon sellers are with that stuff. But I do think like, because I, I, you've actually made me money from your thrifting videos. I enjoy your thrifting videos because you do like you do like a lot of electronics and uh, you put me onto those stupid calculators I always see in the stores. And uh, I've actually sold a few of those since uh, watching the video where you were flipping That's them, good. like those Casio calculators you see in every thrift store. Right? Are you ungated in Casio? I'm pretty, dude, I'm ungated in everything. All right. I've been around forever. They let me sell any brands, basically. Yeah, so uh, just a just a thing for a lot of people I've talked to, people don't even have the uh, the click to ungate on Casio. So like that's like a harder ungate to get. So opportunity there. Um, but like uh, back to like what Johnny was saying, like I don't think it's necessarily like a, like here's level one, here's level two. Like you can do level quote unquote level two like better than someone at level three. Like if you guys are making money with like selling books on eBay, like you're probably better off than these people who are doing OA and all their stuff tanks and they're 70 K in debt. Um, and they're making like a grand or two a month because they're doing it poorly or they don't know what they're doing. So it's like, yeah, maybe that's level four or whatever, quote unquote. But like, if you, if you're, if you're not doing it right, like. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that is a good point to bring up you kind of like you just summed up basically the shiny object syndrome it's like i i think about this too like do you always have to be trying to do something different or, or like growing i i'm a firm believer that once you find an equilibrium where you're making the money you need to make and you start getting your time back i don't i don't need to have a warehouse i don't want to have a warehouse i don't need that i don't want to have a forklift and a truckload of books but i do think like what you just said, a lot of people are just like, oh, I got to spend more, right? Because the big thing with OA is like, well, you can only the only way you make more is you got to spend more. And it's just like, it becomes a habit to where, you know, you can get yourself easily in trouble. And have you ever been like in a situation, like when you started OA, uh, like where you felt like, oh man, like this is risky. Like I'm maxed out. And if something goes sideways, like with this one product, like I'm screwed. Uh, Yeah, I mean, the whole of 2022, I was leveraged to a point where if I were to get suspended, I would probably have to go bankrupt, like probably the whole of 2022. Um, yeah, so I mean, um, and then there were a couple of times I had counterfeit claims on items where I was like two, 3K deep and I, I just lost, like a Amazon didn't send me those items. Yeah, so, yep, that happens. <laughs> Yeah, I think for me personally, I mean, things always may change, right? For me personally, it's more of how can I monetize the books more? Is it adding an additional platform? Opening a brick and mortar had no plans to do so, but I found a way I could monetize that as well as liquidate that I find more profitable than uh, your buyback programs, honestly, because it's out there. And occasionally where you scan it like once a quarter or something to send back into Amazon or see what the eBay market's doing for some of our older items out there. And maybe maybe next year I try Walmart or something or Shopify or whatever, just expanding within the book thing. Now, that's not to say I won't do CDs and DVDs, though the thought of cleaning them, the bad memories. 
but I may tap back into that just to have more Amazon inventory, or maybe I can offset some books with uh, that. But I think books for me, if for this point in time, I'm just going to see how much more I can grow the bubble I'm already in. But that's me. I'm an odd duck, apparently. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, what do you think, like, a lot of people that do OA, they're like, uh, a lot of it's like newer items. I know you like flipping a lot of used items. Uh, like, what what's like your focus? Are you doing like Amazon to Amazon, eBay to Amazon? Like, give me a little bit of insight of what you're doing today. Yeah, so uh, regular online arbitrage is buying from like retail sites and selling it back on Amazon. Uh, hopefully the prices are different in the, in the right way. Uh, me, most of what I do is uh, I particularly buy new items from eBay and I sell them on Amazon. Um, most of last year I was selling used, uh, mostly completely used because I was scared of IP issues. Uh, now I'm selling mostly new. Um, that's helped my return rate. Um, honestly, claims have been decent uh, if you know what to avoid. So yeah, I'm mostly buying from eBay, selling on Amazon. Do you think like uh, eBay to Amazon is like a fad that's going to pass? Do you feel like right now it's like there you have the most competition you're ever going to have currently? Do you think like eBay to Amazon is going to be on a downswing here? Because it did kind of come along and take everybody, you know, like it's the next big thing to do. Like eBay to Amazon, everybody's got to do it. Everybody's got to get it. Everybody's got to start it. I do think like there is some validity to like staying focused on what you do. And even after it downswings, right? Like, oh, why you still sell books? Well, it's because you focus on what you're doing and you stick with it, regardless of all the noise around you. Like, what do you see the future of eBay to Amazon being? Less competition, more competition? Yeah, I mean, to, to that point, it's like, if you have a business model that works and like you feel like you have room to grow with it, like there's no need to change business models. Like just get better at the business model. Um, like with books, for example, like it does make sense to add on like CDs and DVDs in my opinion, because it's like, I, I tend to find that type of stuff like in the same area. Um, but, uh, as far as eBay to Amazon, uh, I kind of feel like it still is like, there's a, I don't think it's really going to be a fad. I think people are going to keep doing it for a long time and it probably will get more competitive, um, as people get better at it. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll, I think it'll get more competitive, but I don't think it's ever going to be like, so, so saturated because like the barriers to entry of it are pretty high. Cause it's like, people are very scared about account health, which makes sense. They probably should be. Um, and then also it's, it's not like regular online arbitrage where like the regular view of online arbitrage is like, you buy like 10 pairs of these shoes for like a grand. And you sell them on Amazon for whatever you sell them for. Like, it's not as easy to just like go drop a grand on eBay. Like a lot of my purchases are like, I spend 50 bucks, like I'm going to make 30 bucks profit. Um, and it's like one off. And then like, I'll find like eight units of this here and I'll make like 300 bucks. But it's like, it's, it's harder to just go spend like five grand like today. Um, unless you're Josiah, then you can spend five grand today. So I, I think it's I think it's going to continue to be a good opportunity, but it's, it's going to get more competitive. Most good opportunities to do, I think. So I have a question um, for how you see OA in general and OA for yourself. Do you see it getting to the point where it's not just eBay to Amazon flips or X to Amazon flips anymore? It's yeah. 
place A to place B kind of flipping. Like you can go from Amazon to eBay, monetize it that way. Or like you mentioned Depop earlier, what products can you shift from this platform to that platform? Basically platform manipulation, well not manipulation, just transitioning. You see that going in the future for OA at some point? Like that's not going to be an opportunity? No, no, no. That it, that it will be like the more or less the status quo. You're just moving this product here. It doesn't it's a low performing in this market, but it's a high performer in this market for marginability's sake. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that I honestly think that's just going to continue to be the case. But the way that it happens, I think, is going to keep changing. Like I talked to a guy the other day. Um, I I was in a group call and I met a guy who literally he buys from. United States Amazon marketplace and he sells on the yeah you've heard about this yeah he sells yeah. on the UK yeah. marketplace uh that's something I've actually considered getting into but it's like noise like let's just focus on what's working honestly but um that seems like a great I mean there's you you could do that like so many different ways like when you think of like nation marketplace inefficiencies and then platform marketplace inefficiencies and when there's so much that's there, it's like, how do you not find something that wins? Right, exactly. Because even I thought about this on the eBay front, because I have a lot of UK buyers that like my American books. And mm. then I've talked to some booksellers in the UK. Uh, they had the exact same issue just the other way around. So if you had two storefronts in two locations, well, you pretty much just capitalized the two biggest book markets. Yeah. On eBay, at least. That's crazy. Yeah. That's double the headaches, dudes. I'm out. All right. You two can have fun. One of you can live over in the UK. No, what I do is take a slide over to the UK, find a street fellow, say, this is your new apartment. This is how it works. Sell my books, please. Uh, I do think your salary check. (laughs) It is crazy, right? Because I guarantee you right now there's people buying from, you know, Depop to sell on Etsy and Etsy to sell on eBay, right? Like this is going on. And these are the people that are crushing it, right? Like these are the people that just, they're not on social media or nothing. They got this little business doing stuff that nobody's doing. I think it'll always be there. I think the the challenge will be uh, when the next thing comes along, right? Because there's always another business model. Uh, The thing I've been hearing, dude, is uh, (laughs) at least in, uh, at least in my discord and a few other places is like, Go to Rite Aid. Rite Aid's going bankrupt. Go to Rite Aid and buy all their stuff. It's going to be clearance out and you can sell it on Amazon. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. You might get lucky. You might get something, but that's not sustainable. Like, are you building a business to be sustainable? Are you just always trying to chase like the next little thing that's going to be coming up? And there will be other things that come along besides eBay to Amazon and Amazon to Amazon. And and here's the thing too, like that in and of itself is a business model, but are you optimized for chasing Mm -hmm the the bankrupt Bed Bath and Beyonds and Rite Aid and Toys R Us and seasonal products and like Halloween like costumes and then like Thanksgiving stuff and then Christmas stuff like I mean I guess those are two different business models but like you could be optimized for like always finding the opportunities of like this business is going out of business this is a crazy clearance deal but like for you like the used book guy or like Johnny like selling books on eBay or like me, like doing online arbitrage, eBay to Amazon, like going to Rite Aid and like scanning stuff is like not the best use of our time. It's uh, I, I got a funny, I got a funny story. Uh, uh, our dentist is right by the Dollar Tree, right? So I, uh, Deb had to get her teeth cleaned. I drop her. I'm gonna go on a Dollar Tree. I'll scan some stuff, right? And uh, I found some condoms to flip. <laughs> and uh, like ever since I made that like public like 
news that I was in a Dollar Tree and I found, you know, boxes of condoms to flip. Like everybody's always like, you've been in a Dollar Tree lately? I'm like, no, this is like, you know, <laughs> once a year thing where I got nothing <laughs> else to do. Right. It's like, but that's like the mentality of it. It's like, whoa, man, you can, yeah, there's money to be made off that if that's your business model. Right. If you got a Dollar Tree route, and we have people that have backroom access to Dollar Trees, but like that's their business model. They're not trying to be the used book guy and the Dollar Tree guy. They're not trying to do online arbitrage and thrifting. Like you got to focus on what's working. So like this year for you, uh, your results and everything, you don't got to give exact numbers. I'm just curious, like uh, have your results been better this year than last year? And also like how much time do you spend in your business on like a weekly basis on average? Yeah. So last year, um, the, the profits this year are much better than last year. Um, it's been around like 10 K a month average in profit. a month. Um, the beginning of the year was a lot worse. Uh, the last part of this, like last few months have been better. Um, so yeah, I'm super stoked. Like this year is going amazing. Um, I did decide to put a lot more time back into the business because I wanted to FBM. So before when I was just doing FBA, I was like sending my stuff to prep center um, and I wasn't having to list, which was awesome. Um, but I was ready to like have some more control of my inventory because like FBA, like you'll get like removal orders and it'll be like, oh, I sent that in like nine months ago. Like, like, yeah, it's just craziness. So, um, yeah, so I, I put like 40 hours a week in now. Yeah. Now I want to I want to touch on something you just said about the what we send into Amazon. I had some expensive books I sent in that I decided to recall back. This was one of my first stint into Amazon, and I noticed what they sent me back wasn't the books I gave them. There was somebody else's same books. It's the same book, just wasn't oh, what I sent in. So I think that's common practice. They just grab it off the shelf of whatever whatever the item is, and which may or may not be yours. Which I can't prove this, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. And if that's the case, the guy's marketing is good or, or very good when it's very much an acceptable book and it gets sent out on my behalf. Squint. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a I got a secret I'm gonna tell, and I never told this secret to anybody until right now. Uh -oh. What secret? I sent in uh it's like a three hundred and twenty dollar canning book. Mm. Uh, I sent in one copy and I sold two. No, oh, that's the best. Inventory errors. Some poor soul. <laughs> you took three hundred dollars from somebody, Mike. Dude. You took three hundred dollars hey, from somebody. I'm innocent. All right, I'm confessing now, so I can sleep oh, easy tonight. It's finally funny. out there. Uh, I do think though, like with OA, uh, what like give us a little bit of insight on like return rates and expected like. ROI percentage, right? Because a lot of people start with books and you're like, oh, I'm not buying a book unless it's 500% ROI, but that's not the real world, real situation of having a business. So like, give us a little bit of an insider scoop on what to expect when it comes to margin and uh, just just, uh, just that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, well, to tell a story about that, like the first time I tried online arbitrage, I was like, okay, I sold a sweater on eBay for 60 bucks. I'm interested in these sweaters. I'm going to try to get a better deal on this sweater and sell it back on eBay. Um, I did not negotiate deep enough. Um, and I thought I was going to sell it for a higher price than I actually did. And I ended up losing like $32 on the sale. Uh, and it took like nine months to sell. So that was my first experience doing OA. Um, 
And so like starting OA for the first time is like pretty daunting and difficult and you kind of don't know what you don't know. Um, so like, first of all, like starting it is, is kind of difficult, but like what I'm trying to do now, um, I think the standard for OA is like, we're, we try to look for like 30% ROI products. So like buy an item for $10, get 13 back $3 profit or, uh, or go higher ASP and buy for a hundred and sell for one thirty. I like that better. Um, but, um, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm looking for higher ROI. Um, because like, if I can just be pickier and like make my money work better for me, uh, I, I'd rather do that. I'll spend more time sourcing. So like, I'm looking for like a hundred percent. Are, are there any categories you won't touch? Uh, condoms. I, I haven't flipped condoms, eBay to Amazon, and I, it will probably stay that way. Oh. <laughs> honestly, uh, I haven't done um, much automotive. I don't do much beauty because, like, honestly, like, beauty is. Oftentimes it's like $20 items. So like, how am I going to flip this eBay to Amazon when like the seller has to pay shipping most of the time? Um, I do a lot of categories. So for a new person thinking about OA, let's say they're selling on eBay and Amazon and they're looking to try OA, what would you say would be the gateway capital to get your foot in the door into OA? Gateway like amount of capital? Right, should they have like 500 bucks saved up to reinvest a start OA experience or more or less? Yeah, I mean, I probably the easiest way, like, especially if you've been selling stuff um, already, like if you just look at your catalog of like, especially if you do books um, or like media or DVDs, like take a look at like all the stuff that's sold for the most. So like that painting book, like there's probably some dude selling it on eBay for like 120 at some point. Um, yeah. Uh, you'll you'll have to look through like 10 20 products like that in order to find something profitable probably but like i think that's the easiest way to get started because like i think the confidence of like is this item actually going to sell for 320 is kind of the hardest part of oa when you're putting like a hundred dollars down on something right but like if you've sold it before you're like okay well this thing sold for 320 it took three months um but like it'll sell so I can put a hundred dollars down on this or I can put 150 down on this. Like it's so much more like easy to get started with something with something that you've already sold in my opinion. No, I agree with that 100%. Absolutely. I do think like you, you go gotta ahead. have like all your ducks in a row. Like if you, when you, once you transition, if you start Amazon with like media, uh, you can make, you can afford to make mistakes, right? You, you get burned for five bucks, 10 bucks. Like you really don't care. Uh, I do think when it comes to like getting into OA, you have to, I mean, you, everything has to work in unison, right? You, your ROI that you're buying at and then having like your repricer set up correctly. So, you know, you have it set up so you don't lose money or if you do, it's not much because you're not going to win on every single product. But I do think it is like, important if you get into something like OA is kind of understanding like lean on people like Seth like the content is out there and all you got to do is like I say all the time and people still don't like just message somebody that does it like message message Seth he'll and give you a straight up answer of exactly what he did and what you should do right so like that kind of gets me into like why did you get into YouTube like what was the thought process behind like starting YouTube 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, all of our DMs are open. I'm sure I can't speak for everyone, but like message me on Instagram. Like I literally have like a daily routine of like, I'm going to message everybody back every single day. So, um, unless you get into my like spam filter and then it'll be once a week. <laughs> I don't know how, if you have that mic, but <laughs> Dude, I don't even know how Instagram works still. I'm still like, I'm only three <laughs> months into this thing. I'm still trying to figure it out. Deb's like, what you just like something. Place? I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I got hidden requests. I got, I can, then I got to approve a message and it's like, do you want the message to go here or there? I don't <laughs> yeah. know, dude. <laughs> it's, it's a weird place. <laughs> so like, uh, yeah, YouTube, it's like, you didn't need to start YouTube. Nobody has to start YouTube. So like, what was your process behind like documenting everything and trying to help other people? Yeah, uh, it was like a year and a half, two years ago or so. Um, I was finding that like, I was able to do my reselling at the time in 25 hours a week. I was encountering a lot of content talking about like the benefits of making a social media page with reselling like a, a, a lot of miles of stuff and like talking about like how important it is and how helpful it is. And like, if you just post for a certain amount of time, like you'll get some traction. So I'm like, I'm going to reinvest 15 hours a week into this, at least at the start and see how this goes. And like, um, I think the thought was like, oh, I'm going to make money off this or like a lot of money off this at some point. Um, but I think the biggest, at least benefit to me has been like the networking. And like, I, I learned so much from like just random people who asked me a question and like a, a, a different point of view that I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. <laughs> like there's been so many of those moments. OA people like they're, they're all kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, share. I got a few. I got like an inside group, right, that I share like leads with. Like, is this a real thing? Like, do you have like I don't I don't need details. I just need to know if it's a true thing. Like, do you have maybe two close friends or however many friends that if you say you come across this great deal on a website for this product that, you know, you're willing to be like, Hey, yo, Johnny, I, I got this great deal. Here's the website. Here's what it is. Like, do you have a small tight knit of like maybe people that you, you just give each other leads that are actually quality stuff? Yeah. So I think this is, this is the perspective on that. I think with regular OA that works, it actually works super well. Um, and I think people like are a hundred percent doing that because like, especially if you're selling something with like a ton of velocity, it's like, nobody cares if one other seller's on there. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, with eBay to Amazon, like I, I do do some of that, but it usually ends up being the, like, let's say an eBay seller has like 12 units of this, but like for what I think I could sell in a month, it's only going to be six. So I'm like, just I like there's six units of this, like, go buy it if you want it so like you we do do that yeah can you like uh, i'm just thinking about this right because like you're saying we all sell things for crazy roi at some point in our reselling career like is there an easy way like can you automate like uh what do you use you use Flipmine. i use Flipmine some yeah okay so like could you automate it to a way where um maybe whenever you decide to get in and look for ebay to amazon deals like it'll just automatically filter all your UPCs that you're looking for? Or is this something where you got to, you know, drag and drop every UPC or uh, item title to search? Yeah. So, I mean, you're in Steve's group. That's what he's working on right now. The replen catcher thing. So he's in the process of making that. I think he has a beta out right now, but yeah, he's working on that right now. 
So, so I mean, that makes it a little bit more easier for me for more people to kind of get into it too. So I guess it's a blessing and a curse how you, how you kind of look at it. Uh, like in comparison to like uh, a work inside like thrifted model, online arbitrage, retail arbitrage, like the the amount of work you put in, do you feel like uh, it, it was the right step getting out of thrifting and doing this business? Like, do you rather, I know you said you enjoy thrifting, but like you get more enjoyment about, about like being at home and kind of creating your own schedule, right? You don't care what time the thrift store opens or closes. You don't care when a half off day is. You're just getting on and knocking it out when you can. Like you prefer that lifestyle versus kind of the thrifting lifestyle? Um. Well, like, I think I like the thrifting model quite a bit. Uh, just the thing is, is I hate, like, I, I really don't like listing. And so, like, it was super manual listing wise. And, like, I, I wasn't optimized. Like, like Johnny, you're in Daily Refinements Group. Like, I suck at all that, like, efficiency stuff. Like, I'm trying to, like, optimize my FBM listing right now as well. Because, like, I do do a lot of, like, new in box items and you have to like make sure that it's actually new and like like customers are actually going to be happy and i end up like i took like 20 minutes to list two new vcrs because i had to like make sure that they were all like new and uh etc cetera, etc cetera. um make sure it's the right person actually get them listed um because like i'm not just gonna like receive them send them out and like the customer is gonna be like why is there a thank you note in my in my package it's like those, those eBay sellers, Johnny, like, why do they do it? <laughs> I know they want uh, to. It's funny you mentioned that because um, when she has to do a merchant fulfilled order, I'm like, they get nothing. And she feels so bad for them. They don't get a thank you note. They don't get the special eBay tape or anything. They just get a blank package. Yeah. Yeah. And people like that. It's weird, but they do. Yeah. I don't get uh, it. Either. Um, so here's, here's a fun question for you. Um, is OA a completely solo game or do you see a point where you can have uh, an employee staff or a fairly large employee team staff kind of deal? Or is that a choice? Uh, it's 100% a choice for sure. Um, for me, the way I run my operation is it's a super lean operation. I have one VA. Um, she does a lot of sourcing. We're at the point where she's buying a good amount of stuff. Uh, not everything, but yeah, she does that. Um, another way you could go is to use a prep center for your prep. Um, that's not employees, but it's like another system that you can use to help you. Right. Um, or you could like take it in house and do all the prep yourself or hire it. Um, but I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> so sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, you could also have US buyers if you wanted to. Um, there's so many different ways you can take it, but I, like I, I'm like Mike. I don't want a warehouse. I don't want employees. I don't want unnecessary overhead. Um, want to keep things as lean as possible, honestly. Oh yeah, with employees, they could eat up your entire bankroll if you hire too many of them. Overhire and don't use them efficiently, your money's just all gone in them. Yeah, it's crazy. I need to talk about uh your decision to just using basically cash on hand to buy all your stuff, like. Did you like get to a point in your, you know, you kind of talked about where you were at risk of, you know, if something went south, you basically would have had to file bankruptcy to get rid of all the debt because, you know, maybe you got a hundred K in inventory sitting in Amazon and they take it all and destroy it. Like, was that kind of like the the point where you decided, okay, I'm going to make this more cash flowable. And like, what was, was there like a, a difference from the point when you 
was it something you gradually did over time or were you just, did you just wake up one day and said, all right, whatever I make is going to be put back in the business and that's it. I'm not going to continue to leverage, you know, debt. Uh, yeah. So like last year, what happened is I was uh, leveraging and scaling pretty hard at the beginning of the year. Um, come around early summer, um, I was making some like pretty decent profits and um, but like the whole time I was leveraged and it was scary and uncomfortable. I mean, to a degree that's good, but like, you also got to know yourself and be like, is this healthy or not? Um, so pros and cons and like, can you stretch yourself into this or is this too far of a stretch? Um, and then at that point I got a couple counterfeit claims and my account went into the, uh, the dreaded yellow, uh, where you're at risk of deactivation and, uh, I was in that yellow for like five months. Um, so that was a, a very scary time because I kind of didn't know, like, is that just going to stay forever? Am I going to get suspended tomorrow? Like, how am I going to deal with this? So like, I was like, all right, foot on the gas. Like, we're going to like sell through. We're still going to try to send in like really quality stuff, but like not spend as much and try to cash flow out of the debt basically and reinvest profits back in and then after it was a gradual like five, six, seven months of getting out of credit card. Um, we were paying off our balances every month. Um, so like, it wasn't like we were paying interest on stuff, but um, like we were leveraged pretty hard. Do you see yourself doing this business model <laughs> 10 years from now, five years from now, three years from now, hell, even next year? What, like what's your outlook for where you're at today and like where you want to be maybe next year or in a few years. Um, yeah, we were talking about this earlier a little bit, how like uh, we're all just going to go to Pennsylvania and buy a house out <laughs> and yep. uh, just live the dream. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm totally on the same board of like, let's um, let's not just like live paycheck to paycheck with reselling. That's kind of a little bit uh, volatile is probably the right word. Like, we, we can continue to like adapt and grow. And I think we should, but like, I, I think it's also smart to like work your way out of it uh, potentially if you want to. So like, yeah, I don't know what the next investment is, but like for now, S and P 500, that's putting some money into that. So that eventually like I could retire off that. Um, it's funny you bring that up. I had a poll yesterday on the YouTube are you currently investing into a retirement fund as a reseller? Uh, Johnny, any guess what percentage said yes? Zero. And that's so broad. That that could be $10 a month. 28% said yes. 72% of people that answered that poll are not putting a single penny away into any kind of retirement fund or savings. It's crazy to think about. Um, and like you said, even if it's 10 bucks a month, I mean, you can even, you know, get a SEP IRA being self-employed. It'll reduce your taxable income at the end of the year. So you really, you know, you, you can play the, play the system the way they do it. But I do think it is important to like see the end of the, of the journey. And I, I think that's kind of what happened to you. It wasn't only the debt. It was, well, what do, what do I want this to look like in five years, 10 years? It's not about right now. It's about, okay, well, do I want to keep every month having to pay off the cards that are like barely, you know, paying off everything, or some people are even behind on their payments. And that's what happens in the reselling world is you get to this, oh, I buy this one product 
and I need this to sell. If this don't sell, I'm screwed. And then that's how you get in the whole world, you know, trouble and hurt. And just like, it's a shame to see. And I do think there is so much justification to, you know, cash flow in the business the way you do it. And it's really, I don't think it's talked about enough. And every time I bring it up, I try not to like, you know, push my thoughts on people, right? Especially on YouTube, right? All of a sudden I've, I've become the Dave Ramsey book guy, right? Like no debt, no debt, right? And like new rebranding, the Dave Ramsey book. <laughs> that uh, that yeah. rubs people the wrong way. But I do think there is uh, being in debt myself and, you know, growing up basically dead broke. Uh, there is a lot of possibilities and it does open your eyes to like a different way to look at reselling when you don't have to worry about, you know, making that credit card payment at the end of the month or needing that one item to sell so you can pay your bill. So I think it is uh, pretty incredible what you're doing, cash flowing uh, eBay to Amazon uh, and however else you want to flip things with, and just moving away from the credit card, especially being, you know, how deep you were in it. That's like a deep, dark hole. And you're all of a sudden you're like, ah, give me six months. I won't be worrying about this no more. I appreciate right. that. Thanks, man. Yeah, go ahead, Johnny. No, it's very interesting. I mean, people think of debt and risk management by doing debt that they can go a tad faster. But re reselling year over year, you're going so fast already. Do you really need to dig yourself into that hole? And I agree, you can go a little faster if you can just charge it, sure. But I don't think a lot of people have the risk management down and they get themselves into a whole world of hurt, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's good ways to use debt and leverage debt and and propel your business faster 100 that's that's the whole point of it right but is it necessary that's that's the fundamental question i don't think people stop to think about before they just just focus on that over there i can go faster i can go faster maybe you don't need to go faster it's a risky game and like yeah that's a it's a good point it's like do you need to like and kind of like as your capital grows like if you if you go the no debt route like as your capital grows like hopefully your skill is growing too so like you're not like making these like super solid mistakes at scale like you're gonna make super solid mistakes at scale if you're like leveraged uh like me sending used items to a prep center like at the that, that was just ridiculous return rate um like I wouldn't have done that as much if I wasn't scaled, I think, because I was just like, oh, on paper, this is 110% ROI, like, it'll be fine. But yeah, yeah. It's a hard and We one. all make bad buys and we make bad decisions in our business. And I think with the 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 debt way, is some of those are catastrophic. They can be. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, one one wrong thing. I mean, think about it, like, if you got a 10 K credit card and you max it out, you know, and you know, it's only on a few items. And like Seth was saying, you get counterfeit claimed your SOL. Like you got to come up with that money to pay on those credit cards. Or if you don't make it by the end of the month, then you got interest and then you're definitely losing and you're probably not going to get those products. So it is, you, it is right. Like one kind of hiccup. I mean, that's not the end of the world. There's hundred, there's millions of people that can leverage debt paid off every single month get the benefits of cash back points, all that nonsense. But I just think you're, if we just take your average reseller, I don't think the average reseller is capable of handling and monitoring maybe five credit cards. Uh, I'm curious to, if, if you don't mind telling us, I don't even know if this is too personal or not. Like what's the most credit cards you had at a single time? Yeah. And I mean, like to go back to the statement, the devil's advocate to that is like, are even a, even a business, like a business, like 
uses money like a lot of money and so like a regular business like leverages debt yeah like that's the devil's advocate to that but like kind of like you said like you you need to make sure that your business model works before you use some uh leverage but yeah i mean i, I literally i haven't closed my credit cards but i have i have like a stack like this big of credit cards because i was doing the the sign up bonuses for a while too oh yeah and it, it i was just like at a, a point a couple months ago i'm like like I, I i i don't care i don't care enough to like open more credit cards like this is enough <laughs> it is it is pretty crazy to think about uh i'm curious like what's your plan for the youtube channel is this something you're going to continue to do uh you upload pretty often so like do you have more plans to do more youtube as you scale your business and maybe get more time back like what's the future of that look like for you uh future of that right now is um i well, okay, so I'm I'm very far ahead on a series that I'm putting out right now. The series is 100K at 100% ROI in 100 days. Yeah, um, I've filmed all of it at this point, and we're like several weeks ahead. So we're releasing those. I filmed another video today. Uh, but like we're we're just gonna be posting stuff that's like helpful to people to help them get to the next level in their reselling business. I don't think I'm gonna like take it like be like okay, I need to do three videos a week and like post like six reels a week and like really ramp that up I'm, i think i'm gonna like continue posting like once a week something that's helpful try to like keep helping people yeah i mean it's kind of like what we were talking about with business right everything doesn't have to be a turn and burn right you can slowly grow a youtube channel up over time and years and then you know when the time comes and you know you're you're not reselling as much as you used to and you got your mansion paid off in the middle of nowhere pennsylvania you can just you know have a little homestead channel of you you know living out on the farm somewhere and you know doing what you do like that's that's the reality of it and it is kind of like a good way to look at it it's like everything doesn't have to be like you know you don't got to spend 10k this month you don't got to make 10k this month and i think that's like a false reality like everything is built over time nothing is going to happen overnight and whether that's ebay to amazon thrifting everything takes time in this world of reselling that we live in yeah and it's like i the way that i see it is like if i say yes to like putting another two videos out a week or like really trying to like dial in to get my social media better i'm saying no to other parts of my reselling business at least at this point so it's like what is gonna roi like best for me honestly all right hold up i got a bone to pick here because you, you commented on one of my posts and i responded because i seen it and i it was my no it was my video saying how bulk buys are a waste of my time and his response was yeah well he basically said yeah you're an idiot i could have told you that when i was doing bulk buys many many years ago <laughs> um thanks for letting me know that way <laughs> you know how many hours of my life i wasted you could have helped me you could have saved my business over dude i didn't know you did bulk bulk pickups i mean dude i didn't know i thought your take <laughs> on it was cool like oh i'm just gonna like do the best ones and i didn't even think of that when i was doing it myself yeah but like you said though right it's one of those things where you got to prioritize right we're not youtubers you know like we don't make we make a lot more in reselling than we do in YouTube world, right? So we can't just sit here and make videos all day long for YouTube because the bills ain't going to get paid at the end of the day. So it is kind of it all coincides with each other. Like your life, kind of the way you take things in life, you put into your business, and that's how you get ahead and win. Honestly, I can't comment on this one because I still do bulk. 
Well, listen, dude, I would do bulk if I just had a store right there that I could just throw them out on the shelf, yeah. right? That's completely different. But uh, it is uh, it is weird to look at different aspects of your life and business and like, what can you get back? Like, uh, you know, going from like a thrift into like a, a work from home kind of thing. Like you get, you get, you win some, you lose some, right? I got to deal with my four cats jumping around me all day if I'm sitting here editing YouTube videos for the day, but it's like, hey. It beats going out to the thrift store or something like that. So I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, so the, the last thing we always kind of do is like somebody that's interested in getting into what you do, like eBay to Amazon, like what's the best piece of advice you could give them? Yeah, I kind of a, a common theme throughout probably this whole thing is like jumping into something like 110%, like maybe you should like give a lot of effort, but like, and actually learning the thing, but like you don't need to like stop doing the thing that's making you money and go full force into a completely different business model. Like it's probably a lot more sustainable to just be like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to do 5% this and then maybe the next month, like 15% this and like give yourself some patience and time over time to like actually get to the, get to your level two and then level three and then level four and step four, five, six, seven. So yeah, I mean, just learn, take your time. Um, yeah, that's probably my piece of advice. Um, and if you need credit cards, he's got a whole stack that he's not even using, right? All you got to do is hit him up on Instagram. Hey, I heard you got a stack of credit cards. What can you do for me? Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you hanging I, out. I should, I should open, I maybe I'll dip my 5% of my business model into that and be like, lend some people some credit card limits. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I mean, there, there you go. The reselling loan shark, right? You know, you just got a little black book. You keep names in, you got guys with suits that go around and uh, go 40% APR. Hey. <laughs> it's uh it's the seth card right <laughs> uh we appreciate you hanging out today as always and uh, you can find them anywhere social media youtube checkmate flips and uh we appreciate you coming on today man yeah thank you. thanks for having me guys thanks for listening to another episode of the resellers mindset podcast today's full episode and all previous episodes are available to all youtube members along with the weekly zoom call and private discord Head on over to youtube.com backslash the used book guy and consider joining for as little as $2.99 a month.